Welcome to the Sensible Center Podcast, where two middle-aged guys drunkenly talk politics and political reform. Grab an adult beverage and enjoy the show. Further information can be found at SensibleCenterPack.com. You can reach us at SensibleCenterPack at gmail.com or follow us on X at USASCPack. Hey, Bob. How you doing? What's up, Kevin? Happy oh. uh, Wednesday, early September to you. Happy post-Labor Day. Yes, sir. Season's changing. Did you have a good Labor Day weekend? Did you did you do the traditional this year? Did you read the Communist Manifesto to the uh, to the to the kids <laughs> like you usually do? Uh, you know, they wanted the, the to hear the Grinch stole Christmas, and I figured it was about the same thing. So um, that's <laughs> or, we went that route this year. Or did you do the uh, uh, some cosplay of the Haymarket Square riot of uh, you know the late eighteen hundreds? You know. Uh, the last time I tried to play cosplay, I got in trouble for running around naked. So we're not well, that anymore. <laughs> that's not the kind of cosplay I'm talking about, Bob. Well, we that's to, the only kind of, kind of cosplay I guess I knew. That's how we used to celebrate Labor Day as kids. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. Every, everyone has their different traditions. <laughs> some, some do a barbecue. Some relive uh labor riots of of years past hey and some people go into labor yeah we might have some labor you know there's a lot of labor issues going on right now we might have and and just to let you know there's not going to be a a, an episode of biden family ties simply due to the writer's strike our writers are off you know i'm we don't want any we don't want any scabs in this podcast do no we? no it's a union shop strictly union so i'm glad you had a great labor day weekend uh welcome to everyone uh uh for episode i believe six of uh the sensible center podcast we're uh, seasoned now huh yeah we've we've got oh just by the way i still haven't heard from bernie sanders but i did reach out to vivek ramaswamy Via his LinkedIn profile, that was the only way I could reach him. His website gave no other option, so I'll, I'm going to be checking LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, also reached out to RFK, and I did get a res- you know a canned response saying that they will respond to us. So uh, nice. we'll see if uh, you know. I sent out the general inquiry, you know, saying come on our podcast, we're we're safe, and uh, so. We'll see if we get any of those those people on. Otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna kind of we're gonna have to go with the lesser tier for we people we actually know. We might have to start with state know. politicians, <laughs> yeah, or, or, or friends, people we or friends know. and relatives. <laughs> Work our way up from there. <laughs> but we will be having guests soon. We promise. Um, we may be visiting one of the tent cities. Yep. <laughs> well, we have a packed, uh, well, somewhat packed agenda tonight, and uh, um, so let's let's just jump into it. I think uh, I think we're going to cover the issue of age in politics. Um, uh, just recently, Mitch uh, Mc, McDon- I was going to call him Mc, Mitch McDonald, but Mitch, McConnell, Mc, Mitch McConnell. Uh, had another 
uh, freezing experience during a press conference where he, and and I'm I'm starting to feel sorry for the guy, which which takes a light, lot to make me feel sorry for Mitch. But when he's out there and in and you know, did you see the the, the clip? And what I liked about the clip is that his his press person stepped up later and said. Uh, can you speak up when you ask the questions as if that was the problem? Yeah. I saw the first clip. The second clip I, I actively avoided because I just, it's the type of thing that I personally don't like to see. You know, right. I can't watch medical stuff. I can't watch surgery shows on TV and I can't watch things like that because I start to internalize it and then it's going to happen to me. Or at least I'm afraid of it. That's how I think. So I. Um, That's a little just, bit superstitious there, Bob. Yeah, I I wouldn't call it superstitious. I would call it more crazy. I think. <laughs> All right, we'll call it or crazy. I can, then. I can feel their pain, sort of thing. I don't That's know. That's what but, I said. I feel I yeah. feel bad for them. I, mm-hmm. No, nobody should be put in that position, right? And whether having a you know a medical event in front of cameras and millions of people. It's not good, and you know, I mean, the same thing. You could you could talk about Diane Feinstein and her, you know, kind of. She's had public problems on and on on the floor, and off the floor, you know, and aid whispering, just say yeah or yay, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, yeah, um, it's it's sad, uh, you know, and I don't know where this conversation is exactly going to go, but. The, the median age of the U.S. population is 38.8. I couldn't find an average age of the U.S. population. Um, the average U.S. House member is 58, and Senate senator is 64. Uh, so you're short, saying they skew older. Yeah, than, 88% of the House is older than the U.S. medium age, median age. That's because they're wise. They're wise old men and women. Yeah, and to be fair, I think there, there's, you know, wisdom does come with age, and I think the uh, that both the Senate and the House should skew older than average America, but not by that level. Especially considering that we've got a couple up near ninety, Chuck Grassley and Feinstein, right? Well, I would um, say. You know, I, I work for a large corporation, and you work for a large corporation. How many people working there are over 80 or over 90? Yeah, our I don't think company, that happens. It, once you hit a certain level, and I believe it's director, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, um, definitely above a director, once you hit 65, you, you have to retire. Right, and there's reasons for that. I mean, yep. Uh, that said, like, if you're a little lower than that, I mean, I, I know there's been some, there's been employees around there in their 80s and 90s before, right? But yes, when you hey, get to I, a leadership role, they cut cut you off. I'm in my mid 50s and I'm already seeing declining faculties and things like that. So I can't imagine what it's going to be 30 years from now. I, I'm sure you'll be, there'll be medical ad- advancements by then. You'll be 18 again. Or 21, anyway. Oh, Bob, we could only wish. So, actually, I did some research, too, on the House. So, I think I think the issue is mostly with the what they call the silent generation. Even though the boomers are, I think the boomers are 66% of the Senate, I saw. 
uh, and the boomers are still the largest generation in both the House and Senate, although uh, my Gen X is, is getting up there. But there are 35 uh, representatives older than 80, and eight, almost, uh, you know, almost 10% of the Senate is over 80. Um, so, I mean, I guess as we talk about this, I don't, I don't think, you know, we, we said there's clearly some benefits as far as wisdom. Um, but just imagine your, your grandfather or even great grandfather, uh, you know, leading the free world or having a significant position of power in our government. And, you know, I don't think we're saying that you necessarily start cutting them off when they get up to pee more than once a night or, you know, when they fart, when they start walking, I don't, I don't think that's, that's necessarily the cutoff. Cause you know, quite frankly, been doing that for years, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. But the question is, you know, is there a reasonable limit? And, and I don't know if you did any research about what the, the founders thought and, and, Oh, here's an, we could play a little game. Guess how old Washington was when he was inaugurated? Ding, ding, ding. Fifty-five. Fifty-seven. Very good. Jefferson. Well, Adams came next, but we'll go Jefferson. Fifty. Fifty-seven. Both fifty-seven. Adams. Sixty-two. Sixty-one. And Adams and Jefferson lived to be 83 and 90. Um, George didn't live much longer. He only had a couple more years after, after he retired. But I think people, you know, get fooled by those white wigs that they used to wear. They weren't that old. It was the wigs made them look old. Right, yeah. Bob? Well, you'd have to be relatively young to initiate a, a revolution, right? It's not an old people game. And I mean, you kind of brought it up, grandfather or grandfather. Could you imagine them leading the country? And and I couldn't, not necessarily because I don't think they're capable, but they wouldn't want to at that age, right? And so you got to think about what is the motivation for these people to spend all of their golden years when they're already rich? Yeah, don't they don't they care about the grandkids? Don't they want to see the grandkids? Go on. My, well, my thought is they're probably not working that hard, and they're addicted to the power and the money and the free stuff, you know. So, yeah, there's there's one answer, right? I mean, term limits. Yeah, I mean, per term limits would definitely uh, solve a good deal of it, I guess, because you know, even if you had somebody. I don't think people decide to run when they're in their 70s, probably, right? They probably started running when they were in their 50s and 60s. Like you said, you know, you're not going to start doing it when you're, you know, in your 70s or your grandfather or great-grandfather. Um, so it's more that they've sort of hung on for longer uh, periods of time. Um, but... You know, then you get into, like you said, how, how hard are they working? I mean, clearly they all have staffs, uh, 
to take care of things. Um, I think, you know, I don't think Biden's, I mean, it'd be interesting as, as you know, people write books about his administration later to see how actively he is involved in the day-to-day management uh, or, you know, is he taking numerous naps during the day and riding his bicycles and picking himself up off the floor and things like that. I think he's taking one long continuous nap. And he's got like those Homer Simpson glasses on where it looks like his <laughs> eyes are open, but they're not. Well, he wears I'm the aviators, so. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really tell with the aviators. <laughs> he's probably just sitting at his desk. And he gets People are talking to him. Half a word out, and the other half of the word is just It's because he's actually snoring and dreaming. He's just like, uh, that's funny. They're like, they're like, did he just nod? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's drooling. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, term limits. But here, here we get back into the issue of, uh, and, you know, I did a little reading, and, you know, there, there are lower limits for all the, you know, there are minimum age requirements, you know, 25 to be a representative, 30 to be a senator. And these these haven't changed over time, right? These are 35 the to be president. 35 to be president. Now, we could also say, are those too high or too low, right? I would say if if we're going to change these things, if we're going to do a, a constitutional amendment, why shouldn't we also lower those levels to, I mean, to me, I always say, if you can, if you're old enough to fight for the country, you should be old enough to lead it too. I agree. Um, 18. 18. I would say 18. I mean, if somebody wants to vote for somebody who's 20 years old or 19 years old, they should be able to vote for them. I mean, in our society, they're an adult. Um, and like I said, you know, they could be drafted into the military. So um, they should be also be able to be a congressperson or, or, or whatnot. So, uh, but the, you always get back to the issue. And I think that's where the, the, you know, the founders of the country ended up that said, well, the electric, all the electric, ultimately could decide all these things right they can yeah. decide whether that person's competent so why do we need to set an upper age limit on people see what and i'm saying I, I i don't i don't think i care to set an upper age limit on people um i think i i care to set term limits in government right so the way that works is if you are a rep for two terms Right. That's it. You can't be a senator. Can't be president. Um, maybe it's not two terms. Maybe maybe it's a total of four terms in any office. Right. Um, I don't I don't exactly know what that is, but it's not just a you know, not just in one house. Right. Not just in the House, not just in the Senate, not just in the presidency. And really, honestly, Beyond that, to Department of Justice and everything else, I feel the same way. But especially from an elected standpoint, set term limits, total term limits in government, and that's it. You can't jump from the House to the Senate to the presidency. So why do you think the, the people are voting for these people over and over again? 
name recognition is one. It's a big one. Um, pork. That's another one. Well, yeah, I think I we've think... discussed the money in the past, right? Um, with yeah. the way that companies and unions can now really have been for a while, but endlessly donate. I think we're going to get into a PAC converse, conversation later, yeah. mm-hmm. right? All these large sums of money, um, it, it helps to have that name recognition. Yeah, I think I think also the seniority system in the in the uh, in Congress, such that the longer you're there, the the more leadership roles, the more committee assignments you get. And all that helps when you're uh, negotiating things for your constituents, right? So Mitch McConnell's very powerful. I'm sure he does very well for the people of Kentucky, where somebody new and probably less experienced isn't going to have that power base and probably isn't going to be able to, like you said, pork and, and, and things that the constituents actually want. So... It's kind of a catch-22. We keep on voting. Not that I'm saying that that's right either because, like you said, it's sort of an ingrained system and and, it, and they don't want to give up the power because as they're there longer, they increase their power base and their seniority and get all these committee assignments and whatnot. So I, you I, could get into stock trading as well, right? I mean, they're getting rich not off their $174,000 salary. They're getting rich off and knowing what laws are going to be created and then trading stocks based upon that. Um, and so the question there is, too, if you take away that benefit of being able to get rich off of stocks, they lose a lot of the incentive to stay and stick around. That said, it's you know it's it's a difficult thing to say. You're gonna just because somebody wants to represent the country or their state within the country, you should restrict their ability to to invest. Right. But here here again, Joe Biden still can run for a second term under your term limit theory, right? Uh, well, uh, it He's depends. I mean, he had a lot. He's he had a be, lot of he had a lot of terms in in the Senate, right? In, in the Senate, yeah. So you would say if we had term limits in the Senate, he would likely have been out of politics by now, uh, and wouldn't you know have ended up being vice president and then president, right? But you don't have problem with uh, an eighty year old running for a first term for president. No. Not at all. What about if we just take the average life expectancy and then minus the term that they're going to serve? So if the average life expectancy is 80 and you have a four-year term, you have to be at least (laughs) – you have to be, like I said, formula-driven, at least 76 to run because we would expect you to die during your term because that's the average life expectancy. Can we put in an actuarial table into our I don't know, though, because then you get into uh, women have longer life expectancies than men, right? So... Oh. Then we'd have a matriarchy instead of a patriarchy. Right, and it's not the matriarchy I'm scared of. It's the fact that you're Sounds now like discriminating against somebody because they were born male. Yeah, that's right. 
then you can get into race. I'm sure you could probably break down race and life expectancy as well, right? Yeah. How far do you go on that? All right. Well, I think we both come out in the same area here. Uh, I I would like to see some type of age thing, but I think term limits could. I'm willing to uh, try term limits to see if it. Uh, I, I'm guessing it's going to help uh, drive a younger, uh, more representative of the general population, um, which I think is is always going to be a good thing because you're going to have the experience, the background uh, of the people where you're generally representing, right? Because you get out of touch, you know. I don't know. I don't know who's who's you know the latest hot band or whatnot, and I'm sure, I'm sure Diane Feinstein doesn't know either. So, I think you and, lose touch I mean, as you kind of get older. There's such few opportunities to meet your representatives and senators, and when they're here, unless you're really in tuned, you don't even know that they're having a town hall. Right. And if they are, the chances that you're going to get to speak to them for more than a minute or two, or even at all, like face to face, rather than you know they're on stage to really let you know their concerns, it's it's, it's not likely unless you've got a whole uh, boatload of cash behind you. And yep. that's my concern. I think they spend so much time fundraising at this point and speaking to those that are wealthy that the little guy gets lost. Yep, and somebody new and, and fresher face is going to have to go out there and build his base. So the likelihood that you're going to have that interaction with them is going to be greater. So um, let's let's just ta take a complete uh, 180 and talk about, and, and this is sort of political because um, I think it's driving a lot of the conversation, or at least some of the conversation among political candidates and and in politics in general is sort of the we we talked a little bit about it but i'd like to get in more in depth about cancel culture and free speech um i don't know if what you are you saw... drinking oh that's a good question I, i've been drinking uh i i'm enjoying it a lot then i forgot what i was drinking i am drinking cognac yeah I'm 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 going classy tonight. I'm drinking cognac from the south of France. It's called Parc Cognac V S O P. And let me tell you, it is tasty. I can uh it's an artesian blend shows light fruits with flambeed banana. I knew it was flambeed banana as soon as I tasted it. And fresh vine peaches. It's uh, it's quite delightful, uh, crisp and clear flavors. Um, that sounds so, good. Yeah, and I know who actually gave this to me, um, so I thank her for the for bringing it to one of our parties. I'm almost done with it though. I'm gonna miss it when it's gone, because I'm I'm likely not to buy it again because it's more <laughs> expensive than I would usually pay for. Just, just invite your friend over again. Let her know you're almost out. Let it slip. 
<laughs> you already did. As a matter of fact, make sure she listens to our podcast. That's right. <laughs> this is a coded message. <laughs> Come up to Wisconsin and bring a case of Park Cognac. What do you Which will what not you be drink? considered a pack donation, by the way. No, um, it will not. I I am drinking a, an Elijah Craig Toasted Barrel. Oh, nice. It's a uh, 94 proof. Nothing terribly special about it, but it's a good bottle. Nice and oaky. Sticking with buttery. the bourbon. Sticking with the bourbon. All right. So Hopefully we can get together and have a drink. I'm hoping to maybe be in the Chicagoland area a few times over the next few months. All right. We will definitely get together and drink. And maybe record an in-person podcast. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be fun, huh? I think it would. Uh, uh, by the way, listeners, I am planning on going to a democracy convention in a couple weeks. So um, the purpose of the convention is to get all the... Uh, organizations that are, are supporting different reform movements within our political system, and it's out in L.A., so uh, it will be a, a good time uh, to get them all together, discuss what's working, kind of update. Um, so there's a lot of things going on. Uh, I hope to bring some information back with me that we can uh, kind of highlight some of these groups in, in future podcasts. And I got business cards this week, too, Bob. I'll I'll send you a picture of them. Uh, they're quite impressive. They actually look sort of official with our uh, Sensible Center Pack logo. Well, that's so, awesome. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll pass some of those around there, and we'll we'll build our uh, our base from there. Um, so, anyways, I wanted to talk about uh, cancel culture and free speech. I don't know. Uh, one of my conservative buddies sent me a thing this morning. Um, in regards to the, did you see the Oberlin College? Uh, uh, I guess it was a lacrosse coach spoke out about, um, and we both listened to Riley Gaines on on Mar, uh, and I think it was the swimmer uh, Leah Thomas, I believe, um, that this coach was commenting on. Did you hear anything about that? It was in the New York Post and. Fox News. Uh, refresh my memory because I may have, but yeah, if I just, did, I lost it. It just recently happened. She, she tweeted something about that, you know, that biological men should not be competing against females, um, you know, in sports. She's a, she's a lacrosse coach for Oberlin College, which I guess is a small liberal arts school and. um the New York Post basically said, well, she actually said that she was burned at the stake. Uh, that's the quote from her uh, for her views on transgender athletes. So, uh, you know, she was, she met with administrators and they kind of said, your, your views aren't consistent with the views of the school. They didn't fire her. Uh, I would say they probably reprimanded her and let it be known that they weren't happy that she was expressing those views. Um, but this gets in the idea of cancel culture, right? She was expressing her opinion about something. And, and I mean, and that's a very complicated issue also. Um, I don't think there's any easy answers to it. I think 
you know, I think there's a common sense approach to it, but I think it's, there's a lot of gray areas. I don't know where you, if you want to express where you fall out on that in general. Um, my opinion is, I think biological males shouldn't be competing against females. I don't think it, I think they, you know, I'm fine with whatever they do, but I think they should compete against, um, I don't think there should be unfair competition um, in, in any way, um, shape, or form. So I have no problem with them competing, but it should be all uh, fair and equal competition. Um, yeah, so. I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's a common sense view. I, you know, and I'm, I kind of think that's what this woman was you know, expressing this coach was expressing. I didn't, uh, but uh, clearly uh, there's this idea that you can't talk about that type of thing. Well, it really depends, right? I mean, the the statement that your views don't um, align with the schools. Fine, that's fine. It's the school's right to have a different view, and it's the coach's right to have a different view, and that's fine. Um, person didn't lose their job i think that's great that's how it should go in society your views outside of school don't shouldn't necessarily affect your job and that said if the school tells you you need to play certain players or let certain players compete and you don't agree with that you can quit school has the right to get rid of you at the same time you're not following the lead of the the business yep um and it's uh, pretty pretty simple, pretty fair. As far as my views go, I think your views and my views align. I think Title IX is in place for a reason. Um, I think if we start allowing biological males to compete against women, it undoes Title IX, undoes Title IX to the point where why not just mix everybody back together again into one sport? Um, we had a recent NBA player, and I, I'm sorry it escapes me, that basically made the comment, well, what happens if I just go throw a wig on and decide, oh, you know, he's retired now, if I decide I'm going to go play in the NBA, what are they going to do? Right. All right, and you start seeing things like that happen, and, um, all of a sudden, the WNBA becomes, instead of a league of women, but a league of retired NBA players who just want to make a little extra money and potentially would generate a whole lot more money for the league if, for nothing else, the spectacle. A bunch of retired men in wigs. Um, I, you, get, you get to a point, what's the point anymore, right? So, um, Well, that, that's the slippery slope thing. I don't know. I mean, personally, I don't know how big – an issue this thing is. Uh, it seems like uh, one political party wants to make it a big uh, cultural wedge issue, and I understand why, because some views are, are kind of extreme on it, uh, and they probably understand the, the country might not might not be with those extreme views. Uh, but, I, you know, how often is this occurring, and you just kind of indicated a case where you know what if they were thrown on wigs i mean i just generally my bigger thing is i don't think cancel culture is a thing you just said well a corporation and i agree 
or a, a school, if you're an employee, um, you have certain responsibilities uh, as a representative of that employer, right? That is not necessarily, to me, an issue of free speech. Like you said. You can go you, work pri- for someone else. Right. Privately, you, you could still say whatever you want, right? Nobody's throwing you in jail. To me, it's a, it's a, it is the employer's right, be it a college or whatever, to say, hey, I want, if I work for a bank and I went out and said, uh, you know, I thought, you know, the whole financial industry was a Ponzi scheme, I would imagine my employer would have something to say to me, right? Mm-hmm. So I could say it. Nobody's throwing me in jail. Uh, but is that cancel culture or is that just, uh, you know, an employer with an economic interest protecting their their own interests, right? I mean, what do you, what do you think? Um, even if, even if they fired me, like you said, in this case, I think the college took a reasonable approach. Although if you look at New York post and Fox news, they're making a huge issue about this. And like I said, somebody sent me this this morning saying, here's the left again, going crazy. Um, but to me, I think, you know, them sitting down and, and reprimanding or saying, you know, your views aren't aligned with the school's views on this. Uh, can you kind of, you know, tone it down a bit uh, or whatnot, uh, I think is sort of a reasonable approach uh, rather than coming out and firing her or whatnot. So um, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I think I think that the school handled it well. Um, I do. I also think, though, if I was a parent, or a coach in that position, I probably would have done what that coach did, which is say, hang on a second, this is potentially going to be to the detriment of somebody else that would make this team or that would be competing in a competition, and I don't like it. Like you said, it's a slippery slope. And you also said one side of the aisle wants to make this a big deal, and it's obviously they do for political reasons, but I think the other side of the aisle wants to make the same argument. Maybe not the whole other side of the aisle, but there's portions of the other side of the aisle that are very loud, very outspoken, and want to have the same conversation. But so they I, can finger point. But I think they're sensible, you know, I, I do think there's a, a center of this country that as as – you know, as we talk about in this podcast and as we reach these conclusions, I, I, I think they're losing, both sides are losing the center here, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, and, you know, and, and, and Bill Maher talks about this a lot too. And, I, you know, I listened to his, a little bit of his conversation with Rogan and they got into the, you know, Bill's big on the left, you know, being extreme and being, politically correct and you can't say anything but then again isn't isn't pushing back on things that you don't like also free speech i mean isn't that also you know if somebody says something i don't like right if they say something what i consider not politically correct or or insensitive and i say hey and i call them out on it 
Isn't that also speech? They, it is. They, they, Saying they, nothing is speech. That they, point. they talk about it, and, and even in this article, they, somebody commented it's it's a Maoist, you know, tribunal or whatever. I'm like, oh come on, take a take a deep breath, people. That's not, <laughs> you know, pushing back I, on things. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Mao would have had any of it. Mao would have just off right. with your head. We're we're not. I don't think we're locking people up and, and, you know, we could get into deplatforming and all of that, that stuff too. Um, and you know, I have, I have thoughts on that, but just kind we of made it to episode six. We're still here. <laughs> right. Nobody's canceled us. I mean, nobody's locked us. I mean, we're, see what I'm yeah. saying? I, I think it's an overreaction on all sides, right? Take a deep breath. We're going through, you know, a generational change. We're, we're, we're going through a lot of things as a society. We need to give other people space and compassion to work through it at, rather than kind of being all this highfalutin rhetoric. And, and yeah, I you just, know. it's do what you want, man. I don't care. Be who you want to be. Do what you want. Just don't force it on me. Don't force it on my kids. Don't tell me I have to have. You know, my kids exposed to drag shows and very graphic sexual books at school. Oh, I agree. I've got a problem with that. I agree wholeheartedly. And I, I, and if you're going to argue to have those books in school, then you should go up in front of a crowd of kids and read them yourself and and then tell me you still believe that. That's just me. And I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm pointing the finger at politicians and school board members and, you know. But yeah, you do what you want, say what you want, accept the consequences for it. Simple as that. Right. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the society we live in, and you know this idea of cancel culture and and censorship, and I think it's it's overblown. I think you know deplatforming. There's plenty of there's plenty of ways to get out your voice. And today, I would say. You could get out your voice more and your opinion more than ever before. I mean, it used to be uh, newspapers, right? Uh, and so if if the local newspaper decided not to print what you had to say, it was difficult to get a following, right? And then it was network TV and radio, and those were concentrated. Now, you know, you, you could be, you know, do a stupid-ass podcast. Oh, not... <laughs> And, and you know, get your opinion out there and you could have millions of followers, uh, you know, um, and and if somebody deplatform you, then you then you form truth social, you know, <laughs> you just keep on moving around. Right. That's right. Uh, I just don't think in today's world that this idea of canceling, I mean, even. Even people have been canceled, like, let's say, Louis C.K. He kind of just formed his own thing. He, he's, he's still out there. Yeah, he's selling his own performances on his own website. I mean, a lot of comedians are doing that now, wisely. So, I mean, they're and, owning yeah. their own stuff. They, they, you know, they're not beholden to, to people or sponsors or whatnot, right? They so have their following. Riley Gaines, right. too, right? Riley Gaines now is making rounds on the political circuit like you stated she was on mar 
She's been on Fox News. She's been on some other newscasts and podcasts and things like that. So even if you, you know, you fall out of, there's been plenty of people also have lost jobs because of something they've said. Next thing you know, they've got a new job in the political arena. And sometimes I think some of these stronger opinions are simply that. Trying to, trying to uh, throw the, throw a hell mary. So are we are we in a sort of agreement? Do I under, not many people people agree with me on? <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. Do what you want to do. Say what you right. want to say. Just again, don't you know? Don't force your values on other people, strangers. Outside of maybe don't murder, you know. Well, we have laws for a reason, but yeah, I mean, to me, there's a pendulum, and it's swinging, you know, clearly swinging yeah. one way, and it's it'll it'll come back. I mean, but we just have to, you know, let it breathe a little bit, and you know, it'll once it'll, the entire WNBA is retired NBA players and wigs, then. Yeah, I mean, the pendulum will swing back. Yeah. The in, in, the, once the entire Olympic swimming circuit is men. <laughs> I don't think it'll go that far, but we just need to, you know, settle down, let it breathe. We live in a society where everyone's got to instantly react to everything, right? Uh, and, you know, got to give some space and some compassion to people as as we kind of work these things through. I think that's, I think that's the best way to put it. Um, so you mentioned that we were going to talk about PACs, and I, I thought it was a good idea to do that here because maybe uh, some of our listeners and future listeners oh, are going to uh, – are curious about sort of the history of PACs, what a PAC is. We formed a PAC, SensibleCenterPAC.com. Um, you can look at our website uh, and get some of the information. We're, we're looking to, you know, solicit donations at some point, have events. Uh, we're kind of just starting, kind of feeling our way here. Uh, but um, the idea is to kind of support candidates who are on the political reform. So I thought it would make sense to kind of talk a little bit about PACS, the history of PACS, where it stands now, uh, where our PAC fits into all of it. So, um want me to just go with it have you done have you done a little research bob or because uh, i i did a little research i i knew about it because i i set up the pack and, and you got to file forms with the federal election commission and and all that good stuff to be official but i kind of did the the little research early on as we kind of were doing this together a year or two before we decided to form this pack i was looking at it myself because i wanted to find a way to get more involved in the political arena. So I did actually do some research prior. Uh, and then I did a little bit of just basic research leading up to this conversation because I knew we were going to be talking about it a little bit. Um, I didn't go deep at all. Okay. But, yeah, I'll let you kind of lead, and then I'll just fill in. So the first political action committee um, – was formed as part of the labor movement in 1943. So prior to that, Congress uh, had prohibited 
unions from giving direct contributions to political candidates. Um, I think that was back in the 20s and before that, I think 1907 corporations were disallowed. So, you know, GE or, uh, you know, I, yep. I don't know if GE was about, yeah. Probably Edison elect, yeah, yeah, couldn't write a check to Joe Schmo politician. So to kind of, quote unquote, get around that, uh, these political collection committees were formed in the, the uh, Congress of Industrial Organizations, the CIO, AFL-CIO, uh, formed the first PAC back in 1943. Um, so a PAC is a tax-exempt organization that pools campaign contributions and donates those funds to campaigns uh, for or against candidates, uh, ballot initiatives, or legislation. Um, so cop contributions to PACs from corporate or labor union treasuries are illegal, and we'll kind of get into uh, super PACs and things like that later uh, to kind of describe the current state of affairs. Uh, but those entities may sponsor a PAC, therefore uh, kind of setting it up, doing the administration and fundraising. Um, so that leads to two different kinds of PACs. There's the connected PAC, which is uh, either corporate or union trade organization supported uh, PAC, uh, where managers or shareholders of the corporation or members of a union can contribute. Um, so there's roughly 1,600 corporate PACs and probably 1,300 related to trade union and union. So kind of equal there, but those are connected to sort of an organization. And then there's non-connected PACs, which is what we fall into, uh, which are more ideolo ideological missions, which I guess is our our pack, which is kind of an ideological mission in regards to political reform and candidates that support political reform and are not um, usually partisan or extreme. Uh, single issue groups such as, you know, uh, abortion rights, things like that. Uh, or uh, and there, within that, there's also leadership packs that members of Congress and political leaders can form um, that they can sort of get contributions and then support people in their parties. Uh, so, and each of these type of PACs have limits and individual contribution to our PAC as a non-connected non PAC would be $5,000 per year per individual. So um, I guess we could ask that, you know, if you were going to send in money to us, uh, uh, and we'll, we'll end up soliciting donations and, and things like that. We're not fully set up for that at this point, but um, you could contribute $5,000 per year, and then we can contribute $5,000 per election to a candidate. We could uh, contribute uh, $15,000 per year to a political party uh, or $5,000 per year to another pack that we decide to support. So pretty low dollar limits there. Uh, all's well and good, right? You say, hey, that's not really big money. Um, We're trying know. to help the small guy though, right? We're trying to help those that really can be um, 
those that are in line to make change, those who want term limits, those who want campaign finance reform, those that aren't already kind of swept in, swept up into the system. Yeah, and, and those people will be more responsive because, like you said, they're not already within the, the moneyed system, right? So uh, any level of contribution is going to help them, right? Uh, because they're not beholden to the interest. Because if they were, they wouldn't be supporting reform, most likely, right? That's right. <laughs> so it kind of makes sense that, that we could have our biggest influence on those candidates also. So uh, that's what we're looking forward to. So anyways, this all sounds well and good, right? Uh, but then came, all along came uh, what we call super PACs. And just like Superman, they have special powers. Do you know where Superman got his special powers from? I was trying to think of that. Because the planet a... that he was born on um, had, uh, most likely anyway, was a lot larger than, than Earth. So oh, really? He was, he was stronger. Are you just making about that the forces? No, I'm not making it up. I mean, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not a huge Superman fan, but... The planet he was born on, the, his race of people had super strength. They all did? Was, yeah, they, well, he, remember he was sent off because there was some sort of calamity. I don't know if it was a war or a comet or what it was. He was sent off in a spaceship by his parents, and he was the lone survivor from his planet. Krypton, right? Yep. So, well, then... Kryptonite came from his planet? Correct. And that took away his power somehow? Mm-hmm. That's messed up, man. And who's Lex Luthor, anyway? Where did he come from? Yeah, I don't know about Lex Luthor. I'm guessing he also came from either... He either came from that planet, or maybe if the planet was destroyed by war, maybe he's from that other planet. That's possible. Yeah, I'm we not sure know. about that one. We don't know. I always thought that was... a. A cool name, Lex Luthor. It's better than he Clark came, Kent. He, he was Clark born Kent. of the Lutherans. Was he? <laughs> it was Martin Lex. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the guy from uh, Two Live Crew, wasn't he a Luther too? I think he was. Yeah. <laughs> All related. Anyways, uh, that cognac is tasting good. Anyways... <laughs> Um, so in 2010, you, you guys have might've, people might've heard of citizens, citizens United, right? You know what that is? Yep. That's so, the, yep. that's what I referred to earlier that, that the Supreme court solidified the ability for corporations and unions to donate large amounts of money because it, it equates to free speech. Right, Citizens United was uh, producing a documentary back in 2008 uh, against Hillary Clinton, who was running for uh, president uh, in the Democratic Party uh, against Barack Obama in the primary, primarily. Um, and they wanted to air this documentary. So um, this raised the whole issue in regards to corporations and unlimited spending and clearly they were going to be spending more uh 
uh, and than the limits would allow. So they took it all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled in 2010 that, one, corporations and unions are people through sort of what they call associations of people. Uh, I guess people exist within unions and corporations, so um, they decided to transfer First Amendment rights under the Constitution to corporations and unions. Now, do you agree with that decision, Bob? That these sort of legal entities are people and should have rights under the U.S. Constitution? I don't like all the money and the way it's being used and abused. I can't well, say I necessarily... Answer the question, defendant. Disagree. Corporations have a right in a community to speak just like any individual in the community does. That's You know, we've had this conversation before. Here's the thing, though. The community should be able to vote, donate, these individuals within the community. Because you would figure if you have a, let's say, a multinational corporation that provides jobs to the community, the community is going to vote in the best interest of their jobs and that corporation, generally speaking. So giving that corporation the right to donate millions and millions of dollars isn't really necessary. That's the that's not the point. Those who work for the corporation, I I I know what the I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I just I'm not sure I can draw that line to say corporations aren't people. They're not. The unions aren't people. They're not people. Corporation is a corporation. It's not a person. I can't I can't have lunch with a corporation. I can't. I can't hug a corporation. I can't hug a corporation. A corporation can't run a marathon. A corporation's not a person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I won't be heartbroken at all if somehow Citizens United got overturned. It's the law of the land. I, I think it's a bit of a gray area there, and I'm, I, I have a hard time committing either way. I lean the way you do. I don't, I don't think corporations are people, and I think there needs to be kind of campaign finance report, reform. Say the same thing for unions. Unions aren't people either. People within the unions are people. See, that's where uh, the liberals have a problem. They're like, wait a second. Now unions are people. And I've, I've sat in groups of people uh, in the reform movement. We've had this conversation. And they're like, well, corporations are definitely not people. But unions, unions are people. And I'm like, mm, now you're going to lose people, right? Because you're just doing it because unions they're on your typically... Side support your side right yep and i i sort of i i think i think it's a little grayer on unions um, i think it's one to one but i would still say unions are not people they're they're a construct of people yeah. as the, as the as supreme corporations court. are and, and here's where i have a problem with uh, citizens united was ruled five to four it was a close very close decision. 
And the, my problem is the constructionalists, the Alitos, and uh, now I can't remember the guy who died. Um, if you wouldn't ask me, I would have been able to tell you. He was uh, <laughs> friends with. Uh, he was Arby, good Arby, friends with G Ginsburg. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, they're the constructionalists, and yet they read into the Constitution that you know corporations and unions are people. So, anyways, we'll we'll get off that topic. So that that's one tenet, and then as we talked about before, they also ruled that money is speech uh and basically they scalia said, yeah scalia um basically they said scalia scalia <laughs> you say scalia i say scalia uh so basically and you know i i read a little bit about more about this uh since the last time we talked but basically they took your argument that spending is essential to disseminating speech. So again, money is not speech, but spending is essential to disseminating speech. I would say no, not necessarily. I would say you could disseminate speech spending quite a little bit amount of money. In fact, it seemed like Donald Trump did a very good job through Twitter disseminating lots of speech uh and it was very powerful right it's Absolutely. not necessary it's not it necessary free to disseminate speech can we get all kinds of free coverage on the in the media right, right now right can we at least agree to that money is not necessary to disseminate speech yeah i actually i i think most external campaign funding should be banned and banished everybody gets a certain amount of money depending on what office you're running for given by the government done if the states want to do it differently for their local candidates that's fine you're running for president you get two million dollars paid for by the taxpayer you're done you're running for house you're gonna get hundred and fifty thousand dollars paid for by the taxpayer done Senate, you get $200,000 paid for by the taxpayer, done. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I also agree we should limit the time that campaigns are run. I mean, part of the problem is they start running two years before, right? And these campaigns are huge and they take a lot of money to do. If you had a very limited time to run, and there's some downside to that too, because maybe some candidates without name recognition might not get heard as much and might not get traction in a short period of time. But if you provide, uh, you know, open debates, more open debates, um, like you said, public funding, I think that would help some of that. But let me, let me finish on sort of how bad the PAC thing is and kind of how this was all allowed. So Citizens United ruled this, uh, uh, you know, the Supreme Court said it was okay. So now these entities called super PACs have no limits regarding contributions or expenditures as long as, and this is what they call them, independent expenditures. So what does independent expenditures mean? 
uh, that means that they cannot coordinate with a candidate or a political party in regards to their messages. However, it is legal for candidates and super PAC managers to discuss strategy and tactics through the media. So do you, do you believe in any way, shape, or form that there's not some level of coordination between super PACs and candidates? either through back channels or through the media where you're saying I'm for yeah, this. Think, and what do you know? A super PAC can see what the candidate is advertising on their website or right. in their speeches and their and campaigning. The, right. And then they'll create a commercial based on that. Exactly. That's exactly what uh, happens. Yeah. So in the case of super PAC, the money can't go directly to the campaign to finance right. the campaign, but it can finance campaign expenditures like travel or parties or commercials and things like that. So that's, and those were, I mean, those super PACs, that's where the big money comes in, right? Who doesn't love a big party? That's why candidates live. That's why you get people like uh, Beto O'Rourke, Stacey Abrams <laughs> running endlessly, 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 and not even winning anything because there's a lot of money that he had. A lot of parties. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, to take it one final step. So, super PACs, you might say, well, they need to disclose who they get funds from, right? They're required to disclose, just like we are. Uh, if you give me money, I have to... You have to tell me who your what your name is, your address, your uh, employer, I believe, also, um, and I need to disclose that information to the Federal Election Commission because that's how contributions are tracked and the limits are tracked. So super PACs need to do that also. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is, and this is where we talk. If you've heard the term dark money, which I think people generally have, that doesn't mean the money is dark, that means if I donate to a super PAC, I'm going to form another shell entity and I'm going to donate to the super PAC through there. And that shell entity doesn't need to disclose where it got its money from. So if I'm uh, George Soros or, or Adelson or whatever, I'll just form an LLC, right? a shell entity called uh, I Love America and put my money in there and I Love America then could give it to a super PAC in an unlimited amount of money. And when the super PAC discloses to the FCC where they got their money from, it will say, I Love America. Isn't that beautiful? And nobody knows where that money came from. No, we know where it's going. So... That, that's kind of how it all happened. And so I'd like to conclude, and I think we're, you know, I think this proves the case stronger than any, uh, just kind of telling the story and how all this came about that we need to do away with all fix of it. this. We um, have to fix it. Yeah. We, how much it, of that money, how, how much PAC money came from Ukraine? How much money are we We don't know. Ukraine? We, we have don't know. no idea. Now, I think it is illegal for foreign money to come in, but who's watching that, right? 
Um, how, how would you know? You don't need. You don't have to track where money came from. So to kind of sum, sum it up, Justice Stephen in his, in his dissent, dissenting opinion that he wrote uh, on uh, Citizens United, kind of said it is a rejection of the common sense of the American people who have recognized a need to prevent corporations from undermining self-government. And, you know, until we kind of get this rolled back, um, we're going to... And nobody's talking about this, right? I mean, very few people, very few candidates, very few politicians... I don't think you'll are, ever see a case come back to the Supreme Court. If you do, oh, it won't be in the next 30 years. It's crazy. So that's part of what we're doing here. We're trying to get this knowledge out there, support candidates, get people talking about it again because our politicians aren't talking about it. There are movements out there. There's people working, and we kind of all have to get together to make this happen because it's not going to happen on its own. Uh, that's definitely not what's going to happen. Uh, let's see. Anything else on that topic, Bob? I think we did a good so. job, you know, walking through, if I don't mind so, say so myself, walking through, uh, although that part about Superman was a little weird. Yeah, I apologize to any Lutherans I may have offended. Yeah. Your knowledge of Superman was, you know, you know, equal to your knowledge of PAX. I, I don't get me that. started on Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> Neither of us have used our catchphrase tonight, so we not we must not be saying anything controversial. We're agreeing so. too much. We're agreeing too much. Maybe maybe we'll get into it now. Uh, so, a cognac's uh, making you more French is what's happening. I, I might just finish this bottle tonight. <laughs> I might just finish it. Anyways, I did want to touch on, uh, and this might be a little bit more controversial. Um, this week, uh, they've been handing down sentences on the January 6th, what should we call it, riot, insurrection? What what term do you like? But what just January 6th, capital event. Capital event. <laughs> That's very uh, non-committal there. Uh, I'd call it an insurrection, but what, whatever. Um, it's political theater to me at this point. I really think so. Uh, that's where we differ. Anyways, uh, so there's some hefty sentences being handed down. Um, mostly to, uh, I guess, five Proud Boys, which is, uh, I guess, a, I don't know, would you call it a militia militia group? Uh, I, I would not, but uh, you know, I don't know a lot about the Proud Boys. I do they parade around with guns? I, I guess they maybe have them. I doubt they have a cache of them, at least a collective cache. I don't know if I'd call them a militia group. I'd call them a. I know they provided security and stuff at certain events, and I, I think that was part of what they were serving uh, during January sixth. Um, uh, the leader, I guess, uh, was just sentenced this week to 20, 22 years in prison. And Bob, as I told you, he wasn't even there. 
He wasn't there on January 6th. And honestly, I don't know much about this guy or what he did or didn't do. Right. We talked a little bit earlier today. The guy wasn't there. So based on what I know, which is the guy wasn't there, he got 22 years in prison. I find that to be absolutely ridiculous. Uh, He did a lot less than a lot of the rioters did around the George Floyd time or when Trump was elected and there were riots in D.C., those people, did any of them get 22 years? Well, did they try to stop the peaceful transfer of power? Nobody marched into the Capitol. So that's, so that's what they're being charged with. as a baseball bat. Seditious conspiracy. Nobody charged in there with so much as a baseball bat. I, and that's what bothers me about the term insurrection. What insurrection have you ever seen or overthrown of government? Over, attempt to overthrow a government have you ever seen without without a baseball bat or other weapons knives guns so I'm that's pretty... that's where I have the problem it was it was people doors were opened freely by cops there's rumors that the fence there was a hole cut in it by a cop all those sorts of things going down there's video of people pouring into the capitol with the doors that were open people being escorted by security around the Capitol. I can't, nobody was trying to overthrow the government. It was a protest, protest that got out of hand. So you don't think the intent was to stop the steal, even though that's what everyone was saying? Oh, absolutely not. So so. what were they doing there? They were protesting? They were protesting. When the doors open and you have a crowd that big, some people do stupid things and go in. But nobody was in there breaking stuff, destroying stuff, going after Congress people, stealing things. I I don't know. Maybe something was stolen. Well, I I would suggest that a, a jury of their peers decided that that was not their intent to form a peaceful protest and i'm guessing evidence was presented that there was an intent to stop the proceedings because i'm guessing seditious i don't know what seditious conspiracy is uh but i'm guessing it has to do with uh our uh, power structure in the peaceful transfer of power in this country and trying to prevent that. You had an FBI agent, they weren't charged contractor, with... standing outside with a loudspeaker or a bullhorn, go in, let's go in, go into the Capitol, go into the Capitol. All that stuff is really suspicious to me. And... That so individual has What you talking about, Bob? I knew I was going to have to throw. Know, you're yeah, throwing out conspiracy theories. I keep wanting to say Ray Epps. I don't think that's his name. Ray Epps is somebody else. He had to do with Dominion. But um, I wish I could remember his name right now. And by, the way, and by the way, the judge that sentenced these guys, appointed by Trump. and Actually, uh, maybe it was Ray Epps. And the leader, sure. Enrico, Enrique Tario, uh, who got the, I guess, both the, uh, I think the, there was also a former leader of the Oath Keepers 
who got 18 years again for seditious conspiracy. Um, so there, there's some hefty sentences. I think uh, Enrique said uh, that day was a national embarrassment. His argument was, uh, uh, I guess a trial from what I read, uh, was that uh, he argued that he was being blamed for the riot while it was Trump that inflamed the mob. Hmm. That he was just a misguided patriot on that day. So look hmm. up Ray Epps. Not now, obviously, but do Ooh. some reading on Ray Epps. Ray Epps. E-P-P-S. Ray Epps. Who is he? He was a guy standing outside the Capitol. Go in. Go in with the bullhorn. Go in. Go in. He's got ties to the FBI. And he's never been charged with anything. And he's Ironic on video. You can find find him on video. Ironically, these guys are being charged with seditious conspiracy. And you're saying it's a, all a conspiracy. Ray, how do you spell his name? E-P-P-S. Epps. Okay. And you think he was a CIA operative or something? There's been news organizations and conversations, I think, on Rogan for one of them. Uh, Tucker, back when Tucker was still on Fox. There's plenty of information out there. There's videos of that guy, Ray Epps, standing out there with a bullhorn. Go in, go in, let's go in. Go to the Capitol. He's For never what? been charged. You, you know his name? And what's the theory that the CIA wanted people uh, to breach the Capitol? I don't know about so the we CIA. Could, we could lock down. But the, whatever agencies are out there knew this was happening, knew this was coming, even encouraged it. Encouraged it for what purpose? But encouraged it or not, they could have stopped it. For what purpose? There's plenty of vi videos. Well, I, I'm not going to answer that question. Okay. I, I, I mean, the CIA and, you know, the, I guess, what do they call them? The three-letter agencies? Yeah. I, I just read a whole book about the, you're familiar with the church committee in the, the 70s when they kind of disclosed all the covert ops and whatever. I mean, you know, the all the assassination plots of foreign leaders and whatever. I just read a whole book about Frank Church. I know they're what you know, they are capable of things. Although you kinda need evidence and proof. Um uh, but you, there's you a kinda, lot of circumstantial evidence out there that the powers that be that didn't want Trump in office anymore. You had a lot of FBI agents sign off that Hunter's laptop wasn't real and it was Russian disinformation well, then and they you, all knew it wasn't. Well, then you'd think they would want the, the electors to be counted. I'm just saying you don't have there's a, a lot you don't of have people who knew where COVID came from. You don't have a motive. So anyway, well, the motive potentially would be that they wanted to make Trump look bad. Exactly. And charge him with uh, all the things that they're charging him with now, which again, just to be clear, I don't think any of the charges or at least most of the charges have anything to do with his speech on January 6th. Largely, they do not. Largely, they, all this conspiracy and what he's being charged in Georgia, and did, you didn't see any of the, the hearing today. It's actually very interesting. Uh, you'll learn about the legal system. So, just briefly, the hearing today was 
Sidney Powell and um, Chesborough, Kenneth Chesborough, who was um, Trump's, both were generally Trump's attorney. They're trying to get their case separated from the rest under the RICO statue that Georgia filed with them. Uh, the judge is clearly rejecting that. His more concern is how are we possibly going to start a trial in October? But anyways, um, all those conspiracy charges are largely around pressuring public officials, making false statements with, with filings, both legal filings and governmental filing documents, and this whole scheme of creating these fake electors that Mike Pence was going to count. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but I read the whole January 6th report. There's a lot there um, that's beyond him, you know, using his free speech. Did anybody else in history try to use other electors? Uh, I believe so. All right. So what's the difference? What's the difference between... What Trump did, trying to use other... So you're saying they're just... He might have done something wrong, but you're saying he's being treated differently than other people are being do. That has been done wrong. Um, This is your argument with the documents also. I think so, yeah. Absolutely. We know Obama had documents, Biden had documents, George Bush had documents, Hillary had documents. I would say there's a vast difference in degree with all of it. So... Again, getting back to and maybe wrapping it up here because this all kind of goes back to the conversation that Marr and Rogan had. There's a Rogan's like Biden lies too. Trump lies. Biden lies. I think we're smart enough to realize there's a difference in degree, and we should go into the details, and we should, as citizens of the United States be informed of those details and not just take a surface approach and say, well, he had them and they had them. It's the same thing. I it think is not the difference the, is it did, is not the same thing. Did Trump believe that he not. won? I think Trump believed he won. Oh. And even if, as Bill Maher said during that interview, even if he had people telling even him he lost. They've testified. They've testified if to Congress under oath. people telling him he lost doesn't he mean did. that he believes He did it. have people. He had all his people. He had his How attorney general. How many people general. have had doctors tell he them had all that the people he if, had appointed? He How knew many people have had lost. doctors tell them if you don't stop smoking, you're going to die? And, and maybe and, they believe that doctor. Maybe they didn't. Or maybe you've got cancer, and there's probably people out there who don't believe, didn't believe that either. You still have to believe it. Because your doctor's telling you something doesn't mean you believe it. And in Trump's case, he had a record number of votes. He had the whole well, FBI rec- against him. Record number the, of votes for a loser. Hunter laptop. He had a, a record number of votes, I think, for a sitting president. Still lost. He, right. He he had the whole change in last minute change in laws of states because of COVID. Had plenty of and time all to about lots of things have changed. He he believe I don't know if he believed it, but I think it's a fair argument for him to make that he believed that 
I don't think that. I don't even think it's relevant. I don't think it's relevant to a lot of these these cases. I mean, I to these charges, whether he believed it or not. I don't think it, I don't think that's going to be a, a point of law or point of contention in a lot of this. And, and that's why this things. is so interesting to me because we'll, we'll see. I mean, he's going to have he's going to have a twenty four hour reality show on all of network TV for months and months and months leading up to this election. Oh, we're going to have a constitutional crisis. It's going to be amazing. What happens if he wins? It's not going to be amazing. It's going to be I mean, sad for this country. It's, it's very possible that, that Trump wins the next election. Biden's numbers are falling. Not only within his party, or not only within independents and Republicans, but within his party, his numbers are falling. He's losing, losing support of a lot of the minorities at this point. I don't think anybody can look at him and listen to him to, listen to him talk for five minutes and think the guy's got or is with it. Trump could uh, win. And we both agree that ne- neither of them should be running, right? I, I I'd prefer not. I okay. prefer completely different candidates. I think that it's better said, for the country in general if neither of them ran. I'd vote for a rock before I voted for. Joe, and oh, most wow. likely, like I always do, I'll vote for the Libertarian candidate. You're throwing away your vote, Bob. Mm, no, I agree. I don't. I don't think you could throw away your vote. You vote for who you, who you want to vote for, right? It's the That's two right. parties. You know, as we've argued before, it's the two parties that have you thinking that you're throwing away your vote. Oh, I got it. E- I, I got... mean, I could be I could be swayed from the Libertarian candidate, depending on who's going to be running for. Uh, if there's a third party running, no labels. Yep. Yeah, we're not going to talk about no labels tonight because I don't want to make this an uh, an extraordinarily long podcast. But I, I did I did get an email from a, a Democratic Alert about Joe Manchin, and uh, here's here's what it says. The title on the uh, the subject matter line is livid. It's very dramatic. It says Joe Manchin is refusing to back down from his disgusting. It says disgusting and disgusting is bolded idea to run for president against Joe Biden as a third party candidate. Is he delusional? If now this is highlighted, it says if Manchin runs. He will throw the 2024 election to Donald Trump. We only have one chance to stop this. We have to show Joe Manchin a surge of Democratic support in our Joe Biden Rapid Response Fund. Um, if Joe Give Manchin sees, yeah, if Joe Manchin sees another 10,000 donations today. Today is all caps, by the way. He'll know he doesn't have a shot of winning anything. And then, of course, there are places where I can click to donate. Ah, uh, God. So, that's where we're at. Great. <laughs> I think that's I'm gonna, where we're at. I think I'm going to drink some more. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you know, the, the, the only way to fix this, we got to start putting attention on candidates who want term limits, who want campaign I'm, finance I'm, reform. I'm about to give up. Rank choice voting. 
got to turn off the news. I got. I, I have to tell you, not having any network news or cable news for the last year has been fantastic for my state of mind. That's the I'm problem. Still I'm still informed, reti- but it's yeah. That's the problem. I'm retired now, so I, you know, I flip through the channels in the morning, and it's not a good thing. It's like. You know, like you said, it's it's interesting and somewhat entertaining if it wasn't our country at, at, at risk here, um, yeah. which then it becomes disturbing and frustrating. Uh, but that's what alcohol is for, Bob. <laughs> to take off the rough edges. I'm sure our country was founded on it. Yeah, absolutely. Barroom Conversations. <sighs> All right. Well, we better wrap this up. Um, got anything else to say? Uh, go Packers. Go. <laughs> you had to sneak that in. <laughs> go Aaron. I'm a yeah. Jets fan. New Jets fan. You're a Bears fan. Absolutely. Go Bears. Later. Bye.